0: According to Luke, it's hard to believe we're almost finished with Luke. We've been here for quite a while. I'm not sure when we first started, but we uh, draw our attention this morning to Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Let us stand for the reading of God's holy word. There in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11 to verse 27, let us give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. And as they heard these things, Jesus added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately Appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, Having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Jesus said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little... Have thou authority over ten cities? And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he likewise said to him, Be thou also ruler over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an astute man, Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. Jesus saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knowest that I was an eschewer man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money, ...into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, ...take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given... And from him that hath not, even that he has shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not, that I would reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord our God, we do pray this morning that you would give unction to the one who stands before you and preaches. We ask that you would give understanding to those who hear, and we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. we come to our passage this morning, and there are three things, there are outlines in the back if you didn't see those as you came in, but we have this morning this text of this parable of the pounds, which is a very simple parable, and yet oftentimes we want to read into parables things that aren't there, and yet there's a a clear picture that Jesus lays out before his disciples, as he lays out before those people who had joined themselves to follow him. And we have seen as Jesus is making his way to the city of Jerusalem, just a few days really from the time that he will enter the city of Jerusalem, where he will suffer, where he will die, and he will be raised to life. And so as Jesus has been teaching his disciples, as he has been making this journey to Jerusalem, he speaks by way of parable. He speaks by way of, of a story and illustration. And we have already seen wonderful miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen wonderful uh, teaching, the call to commitment, the call to discipleship is the theme of Luke's gospel. And in our day, when many people who identify themselves with Christ, we need to understand that to be identified with Christ is not simply to be outwardly marked with a sign, but to be identified with Christ means we follow Him. And so there's a duty that's required of us as we consider this passage this morning. And this is a very sobering passage. It is one that perhaps might strike to the core of our soul. And I trust that it will. Because Jesus doesn't come as the guy who gets us. Jesus comes as a savior. Jesus comes as a redeemer to save man from sin. Not from social injustice. Not from all of these things that are being Perpetrated today in the name of the church. Jesus has a different agenda than what people often assign to him. Jesus does not march by any other man's agenda, he marches to that which his Father has given him. And so we find here in our passage, as we consider occupying ourselves until the king returns. First of all, we see here in verses 11 through 12 some misconceptions concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus, or Luke here in our account, gives us the third time as to why he told a parable. But if you go back to chapter 18, verse 1, and chapter 18, verse 9, those are the first two instances where Jesus tells them why he speaks in a parable. There in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, He spoke unto them a parable to this end or to this purpose, that men ought always to pray and not faint. And so Jesus spoke that parable to remind them that they are to pray That they're not to worry and fret. They're not to faint in the midst of life's difficulties. But they are to pray. And so that was the first instance why he spoke in parables. And then in that same chapter, verse 9. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And so the second time Jesus tells this story of the publican and the Pharisee. Because he wants them to understand that they are not to find their righteousness in their own goodness. That they're not to merit righteousness for their own apart from the righteousness of Christ. And they're not to judge and despise others. But here the third time. Jesus speaks in a parable and uses this parable of the pounds to illustrate his point or his purpose in coming. When they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Why? Because he was drawing near to Jerusalem and the kingdom of God in the minds of those disciples was something they were expecting to happen when he came into Jerusalem riding on a fowl, on a donkey. And so when Luke refers to these things that they heard, he's referring back to what was said previously with Zacchaeus. Remember wee little Zacchaeus who climbed up in the sycamore tree? The Lord, he wanted to see. The Lord says, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house to stay. And so Zacchaeus was a wee wee man. He was a Pharisee. And yet he desired Christ. And the scripture says there in verse 9, This day salvation has come to your house. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples, don't look for my kingdom to come in Jerusalem. Don't look for some grand, marvelous kingdom to come. For my kingdom begins with that statement in verse 10, that the Son of Man has not come to set himself up as a king over the nations to rule as judges and kings rule, But he has come as a man in true humility to bear the sins of many, to literally seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus literally sought Zacchaeus that day. Zacchaeus was camouflaged in that tree. Jesus saw him. He said, you come down from there. Jesus sought him out. And that is what Jesus does. He seeks sinners out. He calls them out that they might follow him. And so this parable is a wonderful reminder to us that Jesus seeks sinners, that he might draw them unto himself. But as he's on that road to Jerusalem, as they're making their final journey into the city, as he's encountered Zacchaeus, his disciples are still a little fuzzy, they're still misguided about what's going to take place in Jerusalem, about what will happen after his departure. Now remember, these disciples were committed to Christ. Even Peter says, we've, we've left all that we might follow you. So they desired to follow Christ, but they were still like some of us. They're just still not, not totally clear in their mind as to what the kingdom is. And so these misconceptions they had about the kingdom of Christ is, are really misconceptions about who Christ is. Because when people get hung up with eschatology, when people get hung up with all these things that they think are going to happen because somebody on TV rolled out a chart and said, this is the way it's got to happen, their misconception is not about the kingdom of God. Their misconception is about who is Jesus. And their first misconception is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to establish social justice. He didn't come to meet the expectations of the world. He came as as our Redeemer to seek and save the lost. So his disciples are misguided. His disciples are not quite sure what is going to happen as we... Approach our journey into Jerusalem but as we consider the misconceptions the wrong misconceptions the disciples were thinking as verse 11 tells us because that's why he he spoke the parable because they were getting close to Jerusalem and now they thought that the kingdom was going to immediately appear When Jesus comes riding in the donkey, he's going to immediately establish his kingdom. He's going to set up a throne. He's going to rule in Jerusalem. He's going to wipe out all of his enemies. And he is going to particularly wipe out the Roman army. That was a threat in the first century, the Roman army. They feared the Roman army. And they thought this Jesus is going to come in his glorious kingdom and he's going to wipe out Rome. And so, here in these misconceptions or these wrong perceptions of what they thought, they wanted Jesus to come and rule as their king. The disciples thought that he was coming to establish his kingdom so that he could overthrow Rome. But in this parable, he corrects their misconceptions. Notice there... In verse 12, he said, therefore, and he begins with this parable, telling of a certain nobleman who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. And this term nobleman means a man of high birth, a man who is highly born. And Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, indeed is highly born of men. He is higher than all the nobles of the earth. He is the heir of a kingdom that men cannot visibly see. He comes, first of all, savingly to establish a kingdom among men. And then He will come, secondly, To bring that kingdom in its full manifestation to those who wait for him in hope. And so he has been granted, according to verse 11, this nobleman has been granted the right to reign over a kingdom. Herod the Great had ruled. In Rome at this time and he had traveled to Rome so that his authority would be confirmed just as his son's authority had been confirmed and in this parable we see an analogy between that kingdom of Herod who ruled as king and this nobleman who comes from a far country And returns. And in this parable. It says there's coming a time. When this king. This certain nobleman. Will not be there. He will actually. Be gone. And so. The time for the consummation. Of the kingdom does not begin. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It comes later. And so here. As we. See that Jesus corrects his disciples so that when he is gone, they can proclaim his kingdom. Jesus there in the gospel of John, as he's in that upper room, that final week before his death, he has that Passover celebration with them. And there in the upper room, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus was preparing those disciples that when he arose from the dead and ascended into heaven to be with his Father, he says, You will, I will be away from you for a while, but I'll send my spirit to comfort you. And so they. They were still looking for Jesus to manifest a kingdom just like Herod did. Just like the kings of the earth. And yet Jesus reminds them in Mark's account of the gospel that the kings of the earth lord authority and rule over their subjects. But Jesus says, you as my disciples will not serve in that way. You will not serve as men who will usurp authority. And so there's so many misconceptions regarding the kingdom. But Jesus' concern is not so much those misconceptions about his future kingdom, but misconceptions about who he is. And so as we think about some of those misconceptions that they had, what are some of the misconceptions that people have today? People become preoccupied. When's Christ coming? What day is he coming back? How's he going to come? Is he going to come in Jerusalem? Jerusalem? Or is he going to appear in Independence, Missouri, as the Mormons teach? Or is he going to... How's that going to play out? And you know what? People get so hung up with, with these kinds of things that you know what they really miss? They miss the heart of the gospel. They miss who is Jesus? Why did he come? And why should I follow him? And that's really... The heart of the gospel is that call to follow Christ and to serve Him. And so the misconceptions still remain. People still getting hung up over many things. And yet, the point that Jesus illustrates in this parable is remember that Christ came to save the lost, to seek them out, and to establish a kingdom. Among men, And that's really the heart of this parable here. And we see that particularly in the second point, the calling concerning the kingdom of God in verses 13 through 19. Jesus calls men to follow him. Here we see in this second point the faithfulness of men As they await for the fullness of Christ's kingdom. The kingdom of Christ has already come. But we will see the full manifestation of that kingdom. When he returns in glory as the ancient creed says. To judge the living and the dead. And so the calling that they have concerning the kingdom of God. Is to faithfully serve this nobleman to faithfully serve this king until he comes there in verse 13 it says he called 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds not sure exactly what the equivalent of 10 pounds would have been having lived in the UK for several on several occasions um Dealing with a pound was, was a little different than a dollar. It depends on what the dollar was worth and what the pound was worth. But a pound was an amount of money. And so he had called his servants and he'd given them these pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. So he's leaving, just as he told his disciples. And he'll be back But while he's gone, they are to occupy themselves. They're not to become caught up in the things of the world around them. They're not to be caught up in the misconceptions of the kingdom and how it will come. But they are to be busy occupying themselves until Christ returns. So he gives his servants responsibility. To occupy themselves. He gives to them a commission. And in that commission. He says occupy till I come. Do your business. Do your trading. Do the things that you normally do. But as servants of the kingdom. He's speaking about the importance of spiritual life how they are to be involved in serving Him within the world. But notice here in this passage, they are to occupy themselves, but notice that in their occupying, that in their busyness of going about the kingdom of God while Jesus is absent, there will be those who will hate them, Verse 14, there will be those who will say, we will not have this man rule over us. And before we think that people want to follow this Christ, it says that they don't want him ruling over them. They don't want their messengers, they don't want the, the servants whom he's commissioned to tell them that Christ has a kingdom that they must enter into and if they reject it then he will reject them and so here in this parable he calls them and assigns them work hatred for the king is the exact thing that they will find for themselves all who follow Christ will be hated and despised. If you follow Christ and no one hates you, no one despises you, no one ridicules you, then you gotta, you got to ask yourself, what's wrong? Because the scripture says all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Jesus has already taught his disciples that when you follow me... You will be hated. They, they found hatred even from the Jewish leaders. They found hatred against those who despise the kingdom. And so in their work, the one thing that they will find is that their work will come, the cost. It'll come with hatred and despisement. But is this a surprise? Because if we understand the Lord Jesus as he's revealed in the Gospels, the scripture says he was a man who was what? Despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and one acquainted with suffering. And so if Jesus was despised, if Jesus was rejected, why do we think that we will not be despised and rejected? I've seen this in my own family particularly with generations of cousins I grew up with, the, the, the divide seems to get wider and wider. And you don't even have to say anything. You don't even have to stand up and, and open your mouth. It's just, there's a, there's a hostility because you follow the king. But we have to understand that if we follow Christ, they despise us, they hate us, they reject us. Because they hated Christ, and Jesus says, "They will hate you just as much as they've hated me." And in this day and age, those who claim to follow Christ, they really don't want any, any idea of being a Christian as counting the cost, as taking up your duty, as occupying yourself with spiritual things. They just want that easy life, health, wealth and prosperity. That's what some of them promise. And it's all empty. It's all a sham for them to make money off whatever they're peddling. And yet Jesus here calls us to work and to labor within his kingdom until he comes. But thirdly and finally, here's the consequences that come with the kingdom of God. We live in a day when people think there should be no consequences for their actions. Oh, I murdered someone? I didn't really know what I was doing. I just had a lapse of memory. We don't want consequences for anything that we do. And yet Jesus teaches here in verses 20 through 27 that there are consequences for those who reject the kingdom of God. Some people think they can live their entire life Never following Christ, never giving any thought to spiritual things, never giving thought to the condition of their soul. And then they are surprised when consequences come. But Jesus teaches here in this parable, as He's given these servants these pounds that they are to, to invest, and really it's it's investing in the kingdom. He he commends them for it but then he comes in verse 20 and says that this one servant <laughs> to whom he gave a pound which is not much he says lord i kept that pound i kept it wrapped up in this napkin because i knew you were a hard honest man i didn't want to lose That which you entrusted to me. Notice what he says in verse 21. I feared thee. Because thou art an astute man. I feared thee. And Jesus said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Here's a wonderful thing to consider. That with your own mouth, you will condemn yourself on the day of judgment. With the very words that come from your mouth, you will condemn your soul on that day of judgment. And this man did. He feared thee, not in in that sense in which we're called to fear God as a father as our God, but he feared him because he might lose something. Some people say, well, he lost his heavenly reward. No, he didn't. He lost heaven. He gained hell. He gained judgment. And so the consequences of those who reject the kingdom is severe. Judgment will come. And so the question is, if you are a servant and this king, this nobleman, has given you gifts and talents to serve within his kingdom, how will you use your gifts and talents? We've seen again this morning in the waters of baptism, the call to Christian parents to use their talents and gifts To the glory of God. And some parents... And I don't mean to single out John and Beth here. But their daughter was baptized. So I think they have done an amazing good job in raising their children. In the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But some bring their children to the waters of baptism and give no thought to how they will use their gifts and talents to raise their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so how are you using your gifts? If you are one who has been called by this nobleman, if you've been given talents and gifts to serve him, how will you use them within his kingdom? And so there's a call by this servant or by the nobleman, To give that commendation to those who use their gifts wisely. Well done. Good servant. You have done well. Notice in those two places there in the the parable. He says they've been faithful. He, He says well done. But to this man in verse 21. He didn't say well done. He says by your own mouth. You will judge yourself. Thou wicked servant. Verse 23, Wherefore, when thou gavest not thou my money into the bank at at my coming, why did you not invest it? And then Jesus said to the other servants, Take that pound from him and give it to him that hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that shall be taken away from him. The Lord expected at least some investment in the kingdom. And he states there in verse 27, Mine enemies which would not... Have me reign over them. Bring them to me, that I may slay them before me. Verse 27 is a sobering verse, because it reminds us that there is a judgment that is to be feared by those who will not have Christ reigning over them. Bring them, that I might slay them before me. The citizens are counted, and the citizens in this parable are those within the whole reach of the kingdom. But they're counted as enemies of Christ because they refused his rule. And the simple thing about the kingdom of God is if you refuse to serve Christ, if you refuse his rule over your life, you are his enemy. And you will incur his judgment And his wrath when Christ returns. People owe their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is returned to heaven. Although he is waiting for that day that has been appointed by the Father when he will return. He is their rightful king. All the kings of the earth, all the rulers of the earth are subject unto him. And he is the one who indeed is king, who rules over all the earth. And so in the consequences, there comes a recompense for those who have not been faithful. There is a reward for those who are faithful. That reward is that they will receive heaven and the blessings of heaven. But to the unfaithful, to those who have not considered the cost, who have not used talents for the sake of the kingdom of God, they will be cast away. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses eight through 10 say, "He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey His gospel. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God and from His majesty on that day when He will be glorified before His people. Jesus here shows the eternal ruin that waits those who reject the King. And so the question this morning is what do you think about this Christ? Is He your Savior? Is He your Redeemer? Have you committed your life, the life of your family to Him? Because in the case of John and Beth, it is not just these individual children. It is not just each of us kind of making our way to heaven. But as a community of faith, as those enjoined to Christ, we see Christ as king, not over our lives, but over our family. So the question is, is he your savior? Does he rule over your family? Is he ruling over your life? Is he your king? How do you conduct yourself in all the affairs of life? How do you conduct yourself in your relationships with others? Are you nasty? Are you mean? That's certainly not the way that Jesus calls us to serve. Do we seek to serve others? Do we seek to love others? Do we seek to share the word of Christ with those who do not know him? For those here this morning who have joined themselves to Christ, who have confessed that they will follow him, have you been faithful in that? Will you continue to serve Christ to the end, no matter what the cost may be? There are rewards for those who faithfully serve him, but there is a recompense and there is a day of judgment coming for those who are unfaithful and will not follow Christ. And I would urge anyone sitting here this morning, hearing this message to really ask yourself what is the condition of my soul if i were to die today or tomorrow or next week and stand before christ what would he say to me why should i let you into heaven well i was a pretty good man i was faithful to my wife and faithful to my children that's not what he's looking for he's looking to hear you say that I trusted in the merits of Christ for my salvation, that I trusted in the mercy of Christ for my wicked, a, a wicked and sinful man. And all of us must confess that we are wicked and sinful people. But we come before a righteous and holy God in the person of Christ, who receives us not based on our merit based on the fact that we trust in his righteousness for our own. And so as we conclude our message this morning, like for us to consider who this Christ is. He's come to seek and save the lost. And perhaps you've been like that Zacchaeus. You were hidden, and yet the Lord sought you out and saved you. And I would plead with you this morning that if you do not know this Christ that you would speak to myself or one of the elders that you would make certain today that you are a citizen of his kingdom so that when he does return he will receive you with joy into his kingdom. And so let us consider the call to discipleship this morning. Let us consider what it is follow Christ because he is a savior and redeemer but to those who follow him he is their shepherd he will protect them he is the lover of their souls he is their elder brother he is the one who cares for them what a tender and gracious shepherd he is I urge you today to call upon him let us pray Lord Jesus Christ, we give Thee thanks this morning for Thy great mercies. We thank, the, thank You that You have gone out into the highways and the byways, that You have compelled the nations to come into Thy kingdom. Lord, we pray this morning that You would convict the hearts of those sitting under the preaching of Your Word of the need for repentance and faith, of the need to follow Christ and to serve him. Lord, we pray that you would impress upon our minds and our hearts this day the importance of being faithful and occupying ourselves until you come. And we ask this in your most glorious and gracious name. Amen.